This is part two of speaking with Dr. Chachanov. If you are just tuning in, make sure to go back and listen to part one. About Empathy is a podcast about patient, caregiver, and healthcare provider experiences with serious illness. This podcast gives voice to their stories. With each episode, we hope these engaging discussions inspire you to have more empathic, authentic, and compassionate conversations. I'm Dr. Dori Sekaracha, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Dr. Irene Yang. And I'm Dr. Giovanna Siriani. For years, we have worked together, taught together, and learned from each other in our roles as palliative care physicians. Thank you for listening. Today, we're so fortunate to be talking with Dr. Harvey Chachanov, a distinguished professor of psychiatry at the University of Manitoba and senior scientist, Cancer Care Manitoba Research Institute. He has received countless prominent research, academic, and clinical awards throughout his career. Just to mention a few, there's the Canadian Medical Association Highest Award, the FNG Star Award. He is also an officer in the Order of Canada. And in 2020, he was inducted into the Canadian Medical Hall of Fame. I wonder if we could get some other suggestions for you just in this world that we're living, this time pressured, overwhelmed healthcare system where a lot of clinicians feel really burned out. You know, how do they incorporate other elements of dignity care into their practice and helping people feel that this idea of being busy is a reason not to provide empathic or compassionate care? I don't think people opt in or out of being empathic or compassionate. I think there are are system issues that sometimes drive the behavior in the conversation. So what other offerings or suggestions do you have for clinicians? You know, years ago, I published an article that I called The Secret is Out, Patients are People with Feelings that Matter. That was the name of the article. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think we have to be mindful, you know, so who are we dealing with? We're dealing with human beings. If we were talking about, you know, car repairs or or the construction of automobiles, then the more efficient, the faster you can move things through, the better the bottom line. Because you don't you don't have to worry about the feelings of a steel object, of an inanimate object. We're dealing with human beings. And the secret's out. Patients are people with feelings that matter. If we fail to acknowledge the humanities of care, if we fail to acknowledge this human side of medicine, what happens? Patients feel diminished. They don't feel acknowledged. The truth is, I mean, you don't have to be dying to know the truth of what I'm saying. I mean, you just have to have walked into a doctor's office at any point in your life. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, you become the amalgam of body parts, organs, orifices, and fluids. Who wants to be that? Mm -hmm. That really pisses people off. I mean, nobody wants to be seen as that because it diminishes from the essence of who you are. So if we don't practice and say that, you know, what I've called the ABCDs of dignity conserving care, your attitude, your behavior, compassion, dialogue, or the conversations that affirm personhood. If we don't practice the ABCs of dignity conserving care, then people feel diminished. Families Mm. feel assaulted. Because, you know, Mm. nobody wants to see their mother, their father, their child being seen and treated as a generic patient. Mm. This terrible irony. We we train to look after patients the entirety of our professional lives. And at the end of the day, no one wants to be treated like just a patient because you feel like somehow you haven't been seen. 
But here's the hooker, and this comes more directly to, you know, your question in terms of, you know, mm. the bottom line in healthcare systems. Practicing in a way that disacknowledges the humanity of what we're doing is bad for healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. We know that when people start to treat patients simply in technical terms, you know, when they disengage from the pathos, from the human qualities of the individual they're looking after, I mean, that's a harbinger of burnout. Mm -hmm. I have data to show that, you know, people who acknowledge personhood in, in one of the studies we published showed that. Just reading the patient dignity question response heightened empathy, heightened sense of connection. And by the by, it also heightened their sense of satisfaction. There was a nurse that I interviewed a number of years ago. She was a nurse working in nephrology who had been at it for a long time. Mm. And she said, you know, after a while, patients, you know, are little more than kidneys on legs. That kind of disengagement, you know, I mean, she knows that that's not good for yeah. patients. You know, it's not good for how their mm. families feel about the care. And ultimately, it wasn't good for her because it means that you're right. disconnecting from, you know, the very thing that might have initially brought you into medicine, mm. the opportunity to connect. Mm -hmm. So what I say is that these are things that are not niceties of care. I mean, the ABCs of mm. dignity conserving care are every bit as essential as the ABCs of critical care. I mean, if I said, you know, I'm a psychiatrist, I don't have to worry about clearing the airway of somebody who's choking. I can give that patient professional empathy. And you'd say, well, pardon me, but you're an idiot. You know, I mean, what you're saying is completely ludicrous. <laughs> the fact is, you know, we're not working with inanimate objects. This isn't a, you know, a steel factory. We deal with flesh and blood and the secret's out. Patients are people with feelings that matter. Well said. Yes, very well said. Dr. Chachanov, I think we've gotten so many pearls from you today, so many wonderful gifts of ideas. We usually end our podcast by, if only they knew. And for you, I was thinking, what is the one thing that you wish all healthcare providers could do to improve compassionate care? You've probably given us many answers to this already, but if you could pick one thing and answer that, if they only knew. It sounds, you know, redundant, but I would say, you know, if there is one thing, it is to try and connect, try and find out even in the briefest and simplest of ways, who that person is. Try somehow to acknowledge that. I'll end with a sort of an anecdote. One day I'm walking by Dr. Johnson's office. He's a, a hematologist, oncologist, specializes, I think, in, uh, in lymphoma. And the office door is just closing and I'm walking by. Last thing I hear him say before the office door shuts is, so how was that vacation? This is a very busy man. He runs a very busy clinic. In that brief acknowledgement, what it says is lymphoma may not take a vacation, but people do. Mm -hmm. And in that brief moment, yeah. he acknowledged personhood. That's good for patients. Mm -hmm. It's good for families. And at the end of the day, I think it's probably good for all the Dr. Johnsons out there. Kind of it's the little things that make a difference. That little question. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think you've just given our listeners wonderful knowledge, things to think about, and I can't thank you enough for sharing your valuable time with us. My pleasure. And it was really nice getting to speak with an icon in our field. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it's very kind of you. You're listening to About Empathy. 
This season of About Empathy has been funded by the Golda Fine Award through the Tammy Latner Center for Palliative Care at Sinai Health in Toronto. The Tammy Latner Center for Palliative Care's vision is to allow patients and their families to experience a seamless system of caring through the embodiment of its core values of humanity, collaboration, innovation, and communication. To learn more, visit tlcpc.org. Welcome back to About Empathy. So I thought that was a really great conversation with Dr. Tatanov. He's very generous with his time, and he was so articulate about so many important points. Just even thinking of the first question that he talked about, the patient dignity question, the PDQ, and I was thinking about if that's one thing learners can take away. I found it very impactful the way he described how they with the patient's permission or family's permission, when you put a little synopsis on the chart, how that really helps to increase connection, you know, between the healthcare team and the patient. I think it speaks to all the things that the three of us have always tried to get across when we talk about communication, that connecting with the person, not just the illness, we're more than the body parts. Mm -hmm. I've used that patient dignity question. Mm. Yeah, I've used that question so often in my clinical practice, but I never really knew how to introduce it. Mm -hmm. So it was so helpful to hear from himself how he said, you know, we know so much about your clinical history. Mm -hmm. We don't know about you. What's important to know about you to give you better care? I love that because I'm going to use that every time now when I try to ask a patient the patient dignity question. Mm, I agree. It also reminds me of how appreciative I am when I see at the bedside, when I see photos of the person, the patient with their family and photos of them doing something that they love. Because oftentimes their illness, especially if it's a serious illness, it changes them so fundamentally. It changes Mm -hmm. their appearance. It changes potentially what they're able to do in terms of their functioning. And so, you know, I like that idea of the written synopsis of, you know, who they are and what's important to them. And I also like that idea. And it links to me the visual too, because I think the visual really helps Mm -hmm. for healthcare providers at the bedside. Because whenever I see photos, it's such a reminder, like it jolts me back to who this person was before their illness. It's true. It's so powerful. Sometimes when a patient's telling me about like a vacation they went Mm. on prior to their illness, I'll ask them to show me photos on their phone. Mm. And I can't believe sometimes how my impression of them completely changes based on seeing them in their pre-disease state. It's amazing. And I love to see photos that happened to me just this week, actually, because I saw a patient and he was with his daughter. You could tell he was a very elegant man, like a gentleman, like very well-dressed. And I said that as I was wrapping up the interview, I said, you seem so elegant, so well put together. And then his daughter showed me on her phone a photo of him, like a black and white photo from decades ago. And you saw him and he was so well put together and his hair was like gelled back and it looked so great. And I love that, those little moments of getting to know people outside of their illness or the reason why they're there in clinic to see you that day. We feel a real connection. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that struck me about the conversation was a term that I hadn't heard before. So I hadn't heard the term therapeutic humility before. That was new to me. I don't know if it was new to both of you. Yeah, I've never heard that term before. I mean, it resonated so strongly, but it was the first I'd heard of it. Hadn't heard of that. I'm going to have to read about it. But I think what he was saying, I think, really stuck with me. So this idea that, especially when faced with someone's suffering, that we don't have all the answers and and we don't know and we can't fix 
and you know what can we do in that moment right and so you know I love this idea of saying you know what in this moment you're not the expert and you have to really defer to what the patient needs in that moment you know what they might need is just presence right I hadn't heard that what did you take away from that therapeutic humility discussion I especially loved how he talked about switching your framework from one of fixing for Mm. something and instead being Mm -hmm. with someone. And that's your therapeutic intervention. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that away with me too. The next time I'm struggling with a patient and seeing them suffer and feeling like I can't do anything for them. No, I can do something for them. I can be there for them. I can be there with them. I think it's such an important thing to impart to young learners. Like I think to teach that, I certainly was never taught that. I think, you know, when we talk about importance of how we communicate with people, we talk a lot about being present, but I really love, I think it's the term humility and the therapeutic Mm. humility. I also felt when he said it, you felt a sudden relief of an expectation on us. Mm -hmm. I think this concept will go a long way of giving them a lot of pleasure in medicine and take some of the angst away that feeling that I think we have all had of wanting to fix things. Not that it goes away completely, but such an important point. Good point. And the times that that comes up for me as well that I can think of is especially if someone's died, let's say in hospital, and you're going to visit the loved ones at the bedside. I think sometimes there's some hesitation to go and pay your respects or to make that visit and to check in with the family, maybe because we feel like there's nothing I can do, right? Mm -hmm. They're grieving and they're hurting and I can't really help relieve that and so won't I just be a burden or won't I just be in the way and Mm -hmm. so I feel like that idea kind of helps people feel like your presence is still important yeah it's so true like Mm -hmm. sometimes the most unexpected expressions of gratitude from families have been with families where I'm just like I literally just met you for five minutes Mm -hmm. five or ten minutes at your loved one's end of life Mm -hmm. and I didn't even in my mind do anything but in their minds I did a lot just mm-hmm. by being there. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing I was thinking about was with um, providing dignity in care. I was wondering what your practices are in terms of providing dignity in care. Dr. Chachanov explained different strategies and approaches, but I was wondering what you do and I think it relates to the question I asked him about the system is so overburdened and people are so busy and there's so many patients to see that, you know, sometimes there's there's limitations to the length of an encounter. But are there things that we can do that are not at all time consuming, but that can still preserve that dignity in care? So, for example, I make it a practice to always ask people how they prefer to be addressed as much as possible. If I can, Mm -hmm. I like to sit down when I have a conversation with people so that my body language says I'm here with you I'm not halfway out the door which are just small things and it doesn't really take up any time what do you do or what's been your practice there's something I've been formulating in my own mind recently about what to call in my own mind I call it like empathetic touch points what I've been doing is when I see patients and and I talk to learners about this too I make a conscious effort to find something that I have in common with the patient, whether that be something as simple as a food we both like to eat or a movie we both enjoyed, or actually recently it was like nail polish colors that we both liked. Hmm. But I think it's helpful because it lets me remember the patient as a person and not as a disease and vice versa. Sometimes patients tell me they're so just overwhelmed with all the different 
healthcare providers that are coming in to see them, like hundreds at some point for some patients, hundreds of different people, for them to be able to remember, oh, that's the doctor who likes the same nail polish color as I do or that food goes a long way to make them feel like, yes, someone sees me as a human being here. You do have to be a bit careful because you do have to keep in mind patient-physician boundaries. And I know in certain specialties, you want to be very mindful of what personal information you're sharing about yourself. But I mean, usually you can find something, some commonality. That's a really good point you make about that balancing between of boundaries. Because when I was doing sort of the more traditional palliative care job, I love your name for that, Irene, empathetic touch points. I would do that a lot more than when I did palliative care counseling. And so I would spend an hour or half an hour every time with a patient. And in a counseling setting, I think I was more conscious of being careful about that boundary. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the patient as well, I found. But there were always little things, and the little things count so much. But If a patient had a child with a special need, depending on the patient, I would sometimes share that, you know, I understood where they were coming from. And that would be Mm. something we'd have in common, like we were talking Mm. about. If I felt it wasn't a patient I should share anything personal with for different reasons, I would try really hard to remember all their family member names. Mm -hmm. And I would write down if they gave me a clue Mm -hmm. about, oh, you know, it's Johnny's birthday coming up and I'm really hoping I feel good that day. I would make sure that was in my note and I would read that before they came in. And I feel like a bit like I was cheating, but boy, that made such a impact on people. You could see Mm. they light up when you remember the name of their Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. or their spouse or that you remembered they were going to a special party or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are great examples. And I I do like your terminology, Irene. I feel like you should trademark that empathetic (laughs) touch point for someone else maybe on this podcast decides to do that. Write that Um, article, Irene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Write a book. I think maybe for people who feel somewhat uncomfortable with sharing something about themselves, then perhaps a way to think about it is trying to learn something new about your patient every time you meet them. Just a little something, Mm -hmm. like you said, Dory, to bring that back and to then weave it into a conversation in future. You don't necessarily have to share if you're not ready to or not comfortable doing that. You can still learn something about them. I mean, I think this brings us to sort of the final and maybe the Mm -hmm. biggest point that Dr. Chachanoff brought up, the platinum rule. And he didn't use the word viral, but it sounded like based on what he was saying, it went viral, (laughs) this concept. Because I think it's something that we intrinsically just, it all makes sense to us, right? But someone being able to articulate it the way he does is so helpful in spreading that messaging, maybe to people beyond the palliative care realm who may be still in like the golden rule mode. And it made me think about how when I first started practicing, I thought I was practicing the platinum care rule. Like I thought I was doing what patients would want done onto themselves. But then what really changed was when I became a mother and my values and my entire like world shifted so dramatically. And I realized now in hindsight that the pre-parental me would have never been able to understand as much as I, I tried to, I would have never been able to understand what I am now and what's important to me now. And that gave me such a sense of humility. Like I never even try to pretend to patients that I can even approximate 
Mm. what they're going through anymore. And that's kind of like the stance I come from now of like a complete newbie. I do not know where you're coming from. I do not know your experiences. Tell me about them because I need all the information I Mm -hmm. can to help you get through this process and help mm-hmm. guide you through decision making. And I think the platinum rule really helps to re-emphasize that for me. It's a great reminder that we need to check our biases, check our assumptions and in our counseling, in our communication with patients that we need to really be careful in that dialogue about what we're inserting of ourselves into that in terms of what we would want or we would prefer or what we would what we imagine <laughs> that we would prefer because we're not in their shoes right and we don't have that sense so right. we have to be so so cautious of that so I think it's a great great reminder. I'm really happy I went viral and I could see that the EDI education would pick up on that a lot as well, yeah. like that yeah. concept. Yeah, know that it went beyond yeah. palliative care because yes. it's universal. Yeah, universal, yeah. exactly. Well, that was a wonderful conversation. I hope there were a lot of things that our listeners were able to learn and they will find helpful as they go forward and care for patients and for listeners who are patients and family. There were many points that will help empower them to talk to their physicians about points of connection, telling them about themselves, what they value, and knowing how important that is and that we really do want to hear that from them. Love that. That was wonderful that Dr. Chachanov gave us so much time today and brought so many important points. I hope that everybody really enjoyed that. Our clinical experiences have taught us that there is much to be learned in the stories of the people we care for and work with. We hope the story that you have heard today has inspired you to engage in compassionate, authentic, and empathic conversations. We'll be back next week with another story. Subscribe to About Empathy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, or listen on our website, aboutempathy.com. When you subscribe and rate our podcasts, it helps others find us. Each episode will be added to your app when we publish. Please share our podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and health professionals. You can find the notes from today's episode and information about our show on the website. About Empathy is a Kickback Productions podcast hosted by Giovanna Siriani, Dori Sakaracha, and Irene Ying. Recorded and produced by Jackie Skinner and Sarah May. Music by Jerry Finn and Jackie Skinner. The podcast is recorded virtually and funded by the Golda Fine Award through the Tammy Latner Center for Palliative Care at Sinai Health in Toronto. Visit us at aboutempathy.com.